Hello, everybody, and welcome to Second Star to the Right, a show where normally five adventures from this world and beyond are drawn to the magical island of Neverland in a race against time to recover a fallen star. Tonight, a little something different, a little a little something special. We'll get to that in just a second. Before we do, I want to quickly shout out uh, one of the fantastic sponsors for this show, um, our platinum sponsor, Demiplane. You see their name somewhere around here. I'm not sure which side, but you see it. Uh, Demiplane.com is a fantastic place to go and find games that you want to play with other people online. They have a great digital tool set for um, shared notes, video chat, uh, session planning, um, some great communication, safety tools. They are just really fantastic. And right now, they're actually busy at GameholeCon because they are the official uh, stream provider of GameholeCon. So if you're watching any of the great games coming from GameholeCon this week, that's on their system and they're making that happen. And I hear, and I don't know what it is yet, but I hear they have some really cool, really big announcements coming up soon. Um, so we're very excited to see what else they have going on. Great group of people over there. Uh, catch their show. I think it's on Mondays at twitch.tv slash RPG. B. Dave Walters interviews uh, various fantastic people in the tabletop gaming community. Go check it out. Check out their uh, VODs. Um, just a great group of people. We very much appreciate their support on this show. And speaking of fantastic, amazing people who support the show, Joe, do you have more on those uh, fantastic, amazing people that you could share with the with the watchers, listeners, viewers? I sure do want to give another big thank you to a sponsor of the show, Black Oak Workshop, who is our official dice sponsor of Second Star to the Right. Coincidentally, they are also at GameholeCon this weekend. They have a fantastic booth set up with a lot of fun props to interact with and so many dice dice bags and other DD accessories if you back their recent kickstarter i just got mine in this really cool adventure calendar uh that is specifically themed to ghost and pirate ships um they make these awesome adventure calendars different themes um and every single day you get a, a new piece of black oak workshop whether it's a dice or a pin or any of the awesome things they do so be sure to check them out black oak workshop for your next DD accessory um and a very special and warm welcome and thank you to our one another one of our sponsors uh andrew mclean from laser wolf attack is here with us tonight he's going to talk to us about what he does and play in his first game of dungeons and dragons with us in a special gnome themed one shot session so stay tuned for the whole evening you'll get all that goodness and um i'd like to welcome andrew and andrew to chat how are we doing, Howdy, guys? <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. I'm yeah, really absolutely. I, I admit, like, so we, I think I emailed you, Andrew, like a week before right now asking if you were free to like come on and talk and play i'm like there's absolutely no way this guy's got deadlines he's got more important people he needs to like cater to but here you are yeah i've i've been busy for a minute um but i mean as as you had mentioned before uh, like my headlopper volume four is out and i'm trying to slow down a little bit and Things like this, I'm finally, uh, I'm finally coming around to do. At least for the, now, uh, trying to relax a little the bit. The headlopper fan in me would say, "Don't slow down, headlopper." But the <laughs> normal person in me, who also works a full time job and does other things, says, "Yeah, dude, take a break if you need to take a break." 
I always say uh, comics reminds me of, you know, uh, you know, like Wallace and Gromit, you know, the stop motion animated uh, inventor and dog from Ardman Studios. Yeah. One of the movies is like this scene where Gromit's just like riding on the back of a train. He's a meme about it. And he's just laying, he's laying track down. And as soon as he lays the track down, the, the train goes over the track. And as fast as you can put down a track, the train zooms over, and that's that's been comics for me for so. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so it's it's nice to finally like make the train stop just for a second, so I can play a game of D and D with you guys. Well, we definitely want to chat with you about um, comics and everything you do, but but before we get into all those questions, I have the most important question of the night um, because you will notice I'm wearing this laser wolf attack shirt right now, currently, which is uh, amazing and I think is awesome. But my my three-year-old has a very important question, and she wants to know why is he why is he hurting the ice cream? <laughs> I don't even I don't have the answer to that. I did this uh, I did this drawing a number of years ago that was just like it was that character I now call him Commander Thunderfang, uh, and it was just totally totally random fun cool art and he was just looked really angry with a machete and like raining ice cream and uh it was just strict i strictly just strictly for fun like the idea of this like uh this this, this character that looks kind of violent with very happy things like raining ice cream and uh and it just ended up being really popular so i've just you know of course if you if you know if one thing works, you just try to do the same thing over and over and over again. So, so Commander Thunderfang forever, forever hating. That's, that's awesome. It is. It is uh, legitimately one of my favorite shirts. Uh, so I'm I'm very happy about it. But it does elicit many questions from a preschooler. So uh, it's 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 a fun conversation. Nice. Yeah. It's yeah, it's very interesting. Um, you know, Andrew, I had originally found you and your work through your, your headlopper comic, um, which is fantastic. I know I talk about it every single second start of the right episode, but seriously, if you have not read Headlopper, head to your local comic book store or you can go on laserwolfattack.com if you haven't been stock right now, Andrew, and pick up a copy. Um but there's a lot more that you do with with Laser Wolf Attack in you know terms of art and, and other mediums. Um, I'm interested. Is that is Laser Wolf Attack something that you started and then like Headlopper followed, or did you need some sort of like you know position to be at with with Headlopper to you know need Laser Wolf Attack to like back it up, or how did like that relationship start? It's it started as um, I'd been making comics for a minute at the time. Um, my as you know now, my wife Erin, we work together like really well, and um, she had had a number of jobs and was just like kind of like not super excited about them. And I was like, what if we start a business? And so we just started spitballing business ideas for a while. We looked into you know, starting, you know, a bar, uh, you know, small restaurants and arcade, things like that. And, um, and it just was, like, it became like pretty apparent to us that most businesses are absurdly <laughs> expensive to start. And so like realizing had, that uh, puts you ahead of the curve of about 95% of business doing... owners. Oh my God. Yeah. It was nuts. I think when we were like really looking into, doing a bar with some arcade games we're like all right each machine's like five to ten grand specialized like maintenance issues and like the town we wanted to do it in like a 
liquor license was like a hundred thousand dollars or something like oh my god we haven't even started yet um but yeah so so we had already done some merchandise and things in some t-shirts for the comics and they had um done well and and we were kind of familiar with it so we just kind of started to to build it out so we gave it its own thing we we kind of made it it's it's kind of uh you know kind of something to exist kind of outside of comics something that we can make that doesn't necessarily like live and die by a story or some characters it can be this venue for anything from an art print to a t-shirt to you know i don't know whatever we want really and so we've been doing it ever since and um it's usually hard to keep keep new products coming out and do the comics but uh, it's something we've been working towards. Like Andrew, the shirt you're wearing tonight, the that Commander Thunderfang shirt was drawn by uh, late great Ralph Neese. So uh, we started to hire out more and more, and that's our kind of our plan for the future too, is to start hiring some other artists to kind of keep the Lazy Wolf Attack thing going on its own outside of the books too. So for people um, who might not be immediately familiar with you, uh, real quick, can you give the quick overview of like you in a nutshell or um, Headlopper specifically, like how you got into comics and, and to doing your own book? I mean, I growing up, I wanted to um, make comics. Um, I, I just learned to draw from copying panels out of Spider-Man and X-Men. Um, and then in uh, in high school, I started playing guitar, and then I just wanted to be in a band. I still loved comics. I still loved to draw, but I just kind of put it on the back burner for a while, and I went to college. Uh, and then after college, I just missed comics. I found Hellboy around that time, which was really inspiring, and really, and then like starting to starting at that point, just digging further into comics and finding like you know real indie comics and like just just the stranger stuff really opened my mind to like comics can be kind of anything. There are really no rules. And so I just got so excited after college um, about comics again. It's just all I wanted to do. And so I just kind of I basically overnight just qu quit music altogether. Like I just stopped and just focused all my attention on comics. And uh, I basically I've done that ever since. Yeah. Um, you know, I would, I used to work for like a Whole Foods. I was like the in-store artist, you know, the chalkboard artist and stuff. I would do that during the day and draw comics at night. Um, and then eventually I've always you know, wondered who I would does that on chasing jobs from city. Yeah. Yeah. There's tons of them. And it's like so common for, uh, it's so common for that to be like sure. the first job of comic artists for whatever reason. So, uh, yeah. So I just, I just, jumped two feet in and started doing conventions and uh, just started pushing my stuff on everybody all day and uh, somehow pulled it off. That's great. And, and yeah, you bring up, you know, indie comics can really be anything. There are no rules. And I couldn't agree more with that. I worked in a comic book store for a long time and really leaned more towards indie comics than anything else. And I was very surprised, Andrew, when we had first started talking to learn that you had, never played D and D before um, because I see like a lot of, uh, you know, kind of storytelling elements in Headlopper in your books um, and stuff that I read and was like, Oh, this is a good D and D thing. You know, that I would, like, I would take from your stories and add them into mine. Um, is there a place where you 
like get your ideas from or is it all just you know you wake up one day and you know what the next story arc is going to be for a book or i mean i i think a lot about like what were the things that you know got me super excited as a kid like it's kind of like how do you you're chasing that kind of nostalgia that excitement so i think of you know, when I was a kid, what was, what did I love to do on a Saturday afternoon? What I love to watch. And it was always like, you know, Ray Harryhausen monster movies nice. or, you know, maybe a kaiju movie yeah. if, if it was around or like, you know, things like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, playing, uh, you know, Terminator <laughs> or Conan or something. And so I go back to a lot of those kind of, you know, I, you know, I was born in the early eighties. So, you know, that's my, that's my palette that I draw from you know I had to, my mom always had her um, but I also morning, so actually, like, I don't know if those would make for good comics but I guess that that's my inspiration <laughs> hey you know yeah all all, all stories there's do the plenty of that yeah um, <laughs> but uh but yeah, I also, um, but when I'm actually kind of, especially for like Headlopper where it's really like adventure focused, uh, I think a lot about like just making kind of a game, you know, for the characters and then like, you know, putting them through it and then kind of making their, their kind of emotions follow the game that they're going through. So I think a lot about like, I still love uh, video games. I absolutely love, uh, you know, the Zelda franchise, you know, the idea that it's like action and adventure uh, and uh, and puzzles. Like it's very much, it's got a full spectrum of, of all the things you can love. Um, and so like there's been like volume two of Headlopper to me was very much like a, a very Zelda inspired, yeah, you know, Crimson game. Tower really. was it's 100% like, you know, a Zelda you go into I feel that. Totally. Yeah, exactly. You go in and you gotta, and they, there's, there's these challenges you gotta overcome. You gotta collect these eyeballs so you can unlock a door <laughs> oh, and then get there. to the boss. Like that's the whole thing. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I, I definitely, especially with Ed Lopper, it being so adventure yeah. focused, I think a lot about games, so they can be no, that's, that's overlapped awesome. pretty easily. Um, and something that's also been awesome through Laser Wolf Attack um, I get very excited every time you drop a new product because it's been pretty different release to release. Obviously, you started with with the comics, you've got the t-shirts, um, but you've released, you know, Headlopper puzzles. You did the Agatha hand puppet, which was super cool. There's a lot of variety in what you're you're making, you know, through Laser Wolf Attack. Um, I'm curious, like, is there is it just you being like, hey, I I've always wanted to make a puppet. So let's make a puppet or do you like see something and you're like, oh, that's a really good idea. Or like, you know, you have such a, a variety of, of what you <laughs> offer. It's it's cool. It It's usually just like, what what would I think yeah. is cool? You, like, like, so for me, like, I don't I don't collect prints so much because I don't know what to do with them. Uh, I, you know, I can't just put them all over my walls or yeah. I don't want to. And so they're kind of like useless to me. But so I'm like, you know, if you, instead of a print, you make like a puzzle. Now you've got a little thing to do, you know, at home on the weekend while you're drinking and like enjoying, uh, enjoying this art. So it's kind of like putting a, a print on top of a game or something. That's awesome. um, but something like, a, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's just like, what's, 
you know, like I don't do prints very often because I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy them. Like some people love them, but I just don't get them. Um, but so something like a, a puppet, I think I pitched, uh, we didn't produce the puppet, but I think I pitched it kind of as a, you know, it'd be cool kind of yeah. thing. Cause I just love puppets. I think puppets <laughs> are cool. I love Jim Henson stuff, Muppets. I love, uh, um, you know, stop motion and everything. So it was kind of like, a, oh my God, wouldn't it be funny if there was a puppet? And then like, they're like, we could probably do a puppet. And so, yeah, they, they usually just come from, you know, what is something that I think is interesting. Um, even if I think that often I think that no one else will think it's interesting. And uh, luckily I've been wrong a couple of times. So like, for example, like I thought Head Lopper in general was just like going to be something that just like I, yeah. I got a kick out of. Like I, I got to make this one book this one time, but here I am still making, it, you know, or I'm going to try We're going to try to have a handful of new Laser Wolf Attack products before mm. Black Friday. Um, uh, that's the plan. Yeah. Like, but by the holidays have like a new chunk of stuff. And so one thing I think is really, again, it's like, what do you put art on? That's like useful. Like I like having uh goofy coffee cups. I drink coffee every day while I'm working. So one of my, one of my favorite cups that we have is this really old, really stupid, um, like, uh, like a cup from like a like a medieval like times a coffee like a cup or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly you go to like yeah you go to like uh you know i don't know like Daytona the world's Beach largest ball of yarn and, like, i need some sunglasses cup. yeah and they've got like a zillion coffee cups and you just like find the one yeah. with your name on it you know it's like got the dumbest art on it or something so i want to make a coffee cup that's kind of inspired by these like really kind of dime a dozen coffee cups just because I like having a funny, you know, fun coffee cup to have while I'm drawing or something. So I usually let that kind of impulse kind of direct my decisions or our decisions. And sometimes Aaron's like, that's a terrible <laughs> idea. Nobody wants that. And I'm like, you're absolutely correct. <laughs> Let's keep brainstorming. Well, that's usually where it starts. I think that's such like great advice and mindset for creatives in general. Um, as far as like, well, if, if I don't jive with it, like I'm not gonna, you know, don't put energy into it. Cause I, I think so often, um, whatever creative field you're in, it's so easy to look at people who are successful or to read whatever the blog is you find when you Google how to do whatever I'm doing. And people are like, oh, well, you have to post this many times on this social media platform. You have to produce this kind of content. But like if you if you are creating products, if you're creating art or stuff that isn't true to you, like your real like the impactful energy you have isn't going to be there. Right. And people aren't going to respond to it because it's not genuine to who you are and what you care about. And so even if it's like, oh, no, I think a puzzle would be fun. Like, who cares if not many people are selling puzzles? You're selling puzzles. It's the thing that fits for you. And therefore, it's going to be better because it comes from like a, a true place, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. I encourage students to do the same. I, do, I don't think this was never like a plan, but I have noticed that when I kind of, uh, you know, make those decisions kind of from my gut or, you know, from this place that's like, I don't know why I like it, but I do. I'll, I'll often think to myself like, oh, this is going to fail because it's, it's not like these other things. Um, but then I, it's kind of encouraging in a way, cause then when someone comes around later and 
might say like, oh, I thought it was really cool you did this, or I liked this thing or something. I actually feel a connection with this person now because when I maybe made that choice, it felt kind of like this is not, this is probably not a great idea. I just want to do it. And so when someone comes around and is like, that's a great idea, I'm like, yay, we're alike now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that was coming from my gut. Like you and I have something in common. Like we met on this on this kind of, on this next level or something. So for me, that moment is like, is really, I, I feel, it makes me feel really like, kind of welcomed into like a community or whatever. Well, that was my reaction with comics when people come up to me and be like, oh, I liked your comic. I was like, I didn't think anybody would like that. Like, <laughs> you're just as weird as I am then if you like <laughs> Joe, I didn't, you look like you were gonna, we're doing that weird Zoom thing where I keep thinking Joe's gonna say something, so I'm not saying something. No, you're fine, just... like computer was being weird for a second well you let you let your computer be weird um you mentioned andrew uh zelda being a big influence and you know kind of you being born in the early 80s which is kind of like the like the decade you know to be born for like classic gaming if you will like were there other games that inspired you as a kid or even later on as an adult that just uh i don't know spoke to you or, or really like jumped out to you when you played them yeah i mean i so zelda's my number one franchise like i like i've have such a good feeling when i just hear the music like anything zelda i get so excited about um but i feel very similar about like metroid metroid is really big for me uh, are you, are you playing dread uh yeah it's so good um, i haven't played it yet but i really want to i'm really excited that they did um side scroller yeah. The music's always really abstract and scary too, so I'm just so excited. I've been getting my butt kicked, so just a, a warning. Um, I've never died so many times in a Nintendo main party title. Yeah, in a good way. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, <laughs> I heard it was tough, um, but I do also. I mean, it's not unlike. You know, when I think when you ask me like where does inspiration come from, and I'm like, what what did I do as a kid with my older brother that made me feel just like just felt good and cool? Uh, and so I I loved uh, you know the beat 'em ups of you know you know the early Nintendo like played a ton of uh, the RoboCop game, uh, played a ton of like Double Dragon. So like I'm working on it. Uh, I'm not drawing it, but I wrote a comic. Who knows if it'll ever see the, the light of day, but it's really inspired by like games like that. These like just two player beat em ups, like, hey, I kicked over a, a trash can and a chain came out. Let's go fight with a chain. Like, you know, like all those golden acts or, or, you know, any of that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, those, those as well, those side scroller. You know the the art is it's very it's very metal it's very eighties very nineties all the box artwork is just like insane so I always think of those games still too I uh, I was part of a youth group in, in like junior high uh, at this church and someone donated a and I don't know why a Dungeons and Dragons arcade cabinet like the two oh. player dungeon or not uh, I'm sorry a double dragon not Dungeons and Dragons double dragon. Uh, and I was like, and the church was like, we're not going to do anything with this. And I'm like, I was like, I'll take it. And then I spent a week trying to convince my mom that we could fit it in the garage. The cost of electricity wouldn't be a problem. I could find someone with a truck. Um, I did not get the double dragon. No way. Uh, clearly, it still doesn't bother oh, me now, no. 20 years later. But uh, 
<laughs> but like, yeah, those games were so impactful and so oh, like man, the aesthetic was, was just so much fun. And uh, that makes sense, you know, kind of having looked at comics, like hearing that and maybe now I'm just projecting in, but seeing your work and hearing kind of that background, like can totally see that sort of like influence um, throughout what you've done. Um, I, I think we're up against the point, though, speaking of games, where we're going to uh, we're going to play a little game ourselves. Uh, is that right, Joe? Are you, are you ready for this part of the show? Oh, Gnome Patrol is ready to go. So so as as we said, Andrew has never played Dungeons and Dragons before. Joe helped him create a character. We're going to be playing in Neverland <laughs> as a bunch of, I assume, gnomes on patrol based on the title of what we're doing. Yeah. Um, Andrew, how, how are you feeling about your first uh, D&D session? Um, only a lot nervous, um, <laughs> but very excited. Uh, I, I trust y'all, and um, I'm sure I can decide what I'd uh, what I'd like Horf the Rock Gnome to do. Uh, I just, you know, you know, I'll find. You'll tell me what to roll, and if I was that's successful. that's how it works. And we're going to be joined, of course, uh, by some of our cast members. Um, Emily and Bree are out today, but Michael and Desiree will be hopping on with us after a quick break. And we will be uh, we'll be commencing Gnome Patrol. Uh, Joe, anything else to announce before we go to break? Yes, we um, are giving away a trade paperback copy, Volume One of Andrew's Headlopper comic. It's one I've read a thousand times, and one that I wish everyone would read. So during this break, hashtag Gnome Patrol in the chat for your entry to win Headlopper Volume One. Um, and we'll be back in a few minutes. It's an early, warm, gnomish morning here in the gnome hamlet. As each one of you wake up, there's no alarm, there's no rooster crowing. Uh, you just wake up when your body is, is rested enough and the air is warm enough to breathe. Uh, you hear musical instruments, harps, woodwinds playing through the tree limes around the village. Uh, soothing your morning routines as it does every morning. Each one of you grab your gear, grab your packs, and head to the exterior of the village where you know you are going out on a special mission. Um, don't know what that mission is yet, but they're usually pretty lax, escorting some of the uh, uh, construction working gnomes to repair one of the many bridges over the island of Neverland, patrolling the jungle through the thick forests around the stump that houses the gnome hamlet to make sure nothing nefarious is at play, or heading to the beach to gather resources and materials to bring back to the village. It should be just another normal day as a gnome patroller. Uh, one by one, as you leave your houses, give your greetings, your hellos, your good mornings to your gnomish namers, walking through the market to grab a, a muffin or a cup of coffee or a walnut to snack on as you make your way to the exit of the village. And once you do exit the village, the only thing that separates you and the jungle island of Neverland is a gnomish outpost in a large mushroom red capped with white polka dots uh, waiting to give you your daily orders. Each one of you see 
three other gnomes approaching the outpost as well. Gnomes you've either worked with before, seen around the village, gotten a drink with at the, the beer garden, or what have you. What you notice that's a little out of the ordinary is a, f- is a fifth gnome to our, our four gnome group here. Uh, a very important gnome to the hamlet, one that every gnome knows. This, of course, is Colonel Butterscotch. Colonel Butterscotch is a old, stout gnome. A military veteran and war hero has gotten the gnome hamlet into the warm, safe, comfortable, secluded village that it is now, um, keeping the evils and, and predators of Neverland at bay. Colonel Butterscotch still wears his armor, be it beaten, torn, or rusted, um, and wears many battle scars, including an eye patch to cover one of the more substantial battle scars. Colonel Butterscotch sees you all approach the mushroom outpost and calls to each of you. Attention! Line them up! Who, us? Yes, you. Each one of you all, front and center. I guess we got to... Are, are we even on patrol this week? What are we even doing? Okay, all right. Of course uh, we are. Right away, Colonel. I'm coming. Uh, all right, yeah. Let's and go I, over here. I line up. Xavier, Xavier. Hey, hey uh, Colonel wants to uh, to do the, the thing where he tells us to stand. Yeah, I'm, I'm already standing. Me, me and... Me and... Me and, uh, you know... Uh, the trail over here. Um, and quit your yapping. We got work to do. As Colonel Butterscotch gets you all in attention. Hmm. This is the patrol group today, huh? A less experienced batch, but I'm, I'm sure you'll do fine. Tell me, what are your names, your ranks, and I must say, my vision is worse for the wear today. Uh, a brief description of yourselves would be handy as well so again your name your rank and a description of yourself you know if you go over to the to like the care center they'll give you glasses you don't even have to pay for them it's crazy we got socialized health care it's fantastic oh yeah i actually have a 230 appointment uh i appreciate it uh well uh my name is uh, Fetish, uh, the gnome, as you know. I'm here in front of you. We've done this many times before. I don't know why you always ask. Uh, I am a fairly stout gnome. I've got a bit of a scruffy, uh, unlike many gnomes that have beers, I've been a scruffy like five o'clock shadow. Um, I got a pair of glasses. They're a little cracked on the side. Uh, and uh, I'm wearing a hat. Um, it's got a Yankees logo on it, which means nothing to people in this world, but it means a lot to me personally. And uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's what I do. And I, uh, I sorcery the things with the magics when we go on patrol. Welcome to the squad fetish. Who's next? I'll uh, go next. I'm Dewdrop. You know me, Colonel. And I wink at him. And uh, I've got, in case you forgot, I've got my beautiful thick brown pigtail braids. And I'm wearing this crushed velvet emerald bustier, as you can see. And I've got a, like plum aubergine colored little gnome hat on and i of course am a bard i say kind of like twirling my little flute oh yes do drop 
I'm surprised I didn't recognize you. Welcome back to the patrol. Uh, yep. Uh, hey, hello, hello, uh, Xavier here. Um, this is me. I, I, uh, have a, a light tan. I've been working outside a lot lately. Uh, and I got some mutton chops over here. Uh, barely a mustache. It looks, I don't, it, it, I'm trying to grow it. Don't, don't you mind that. Uh, you know, I, I like my little kangaroo hat and, uh, I got some overalls and me and my buddy, uh, Latrell Latrine right here. Um, we're just, uh, oh, my rank, my rank. I, I'm a specialist because you know I I, I don't fight. I just fix things. Uh, me and the turtle over here. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. We, we good to see everyone again. Your skills will be of good use today, Xavier. And who's last on the team here? Oh, uh, um, <clears throat> that's uh, <clears throat> that's me. Uh, uh I'm a uh, horf. Um, uh, pretty lumpy. Uh, I have a, don't mind me, I'm strong, strong smelling. I got a swarm of bugs around me. Uh, I got this little other cap here. I don't really, don't really remember. I don't remember where I got it, but it, uh, it keeps, keeps, keeps me dry. Uh, what are we, what are we, what are we, what are we doing here? Who, who, how did I get here? Who, Horf is, Horf is, perpetually lost and forgetful he was supposed to get <laughs> breakfast on the way through the village uh instead he's found an acorn at his foot he's gnawing out it it's not really edible but horf horf stumbles his way <laughs> through through all things uh clumsily i'm glad you asked horf we have a very important mission to set out on today today you won't be going on your normal patrolling routes across the island. No, like I said, a very special mission. I'm sure you are all very familiar with Miss Mary Bunnyhop. Yes, the head cleric at the clinic in town. She is running low on a very important ingredient for her elixirs and ailments. That ingredient, of course, are the shells of baby crocodiles. Yes, the shells of crocodile eggs. That is what we need to recover. Lucky for us, it's the fourth day of the new month. That means the gargantuan crocodile who sleeps on the island has just laid eggs, and those eggs should be hatching in the crocodile's nest. You four will be in charge of climbing up a mountain through the mountain, I should say, infiltrating the crocodile's nest, not waking the gargantuan beast, and peeling off with some eggshells. Is that clear? Oh yeah, easy enough. I've had leather and eggs before, you know, oh, just have a little crocodile, a little leftover leather, and some eggs. That's, that's easy. Are you still eating leather? Or, or, or. It's part of the crocodile. Why are you not eating the leather? Well, shit. No, that's a good question. I actually, uh, you know, I don't really know. I never even thought about it that way before. Now that you mention it, uh, gator jerky is mighty tasty if seasoned right. I'm with Xavier on this one. <laughs> well then, our scouts have identified a small cave network that should tunnel right into the crocodile's nest. The beast is sleeping as it does routinely at the top of the month. And frankly, I'd probably sleep a few days after laying a bunch of eggs as well. 
All right, very good. Any questions before you head out trekking through the jungle, up the tunnels, and into the gator's nest? Yeah, I mean, are we getting hazard pay for this one? Because this ain't, you know, like collecting no mushrooms like we normally do. This is a little more risky, uh, considering, you know, the uh, the giant croc, gator, whatever it might be. Of course, yeah, I'm a more than reasonable employer and understand when, when my workers are put in, in, in hazardous situations, we'll triple the amount of acorns delivered to your house tomorrow morning. Quadruple. Horf, Horf wants to know if, Horf wants to know if you've been getting paid. Horf didn't know didn't know this was job for pay. Horf is Horf has been wandering aimlessly following groups of people. This is a patrol Horf Horf is hungry. Uh, Horf, we we've sent you many uh, uh, letters via messenger squirrel. We're still waiting on your uh, community security uh, number. Uh, once we have that number, we can finish the paperwork to get you paid. It's it's on your it's on you. We're waiting on you. There is one hundred percent a warrant out for Horf's arrest for not ending <laughs> jury duty. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we shouldn't waste too much time. The Gator won't be sleeping forever. If you're ready, head north through the woods. Uh, shouldn't take you long to get to the mountain's base. Once you hear the roaring sounds of water falling, you'll know the entrance to the caves that lead to the gator's nest should be nearby. Orf turns south. Oh, whoa, oh wait, no. Wait. Oh, my God. No. <sighs> this way, buddy. We got you. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, okay. Thanks. Uh, I start putting down like a trail of acorns leading north, like a like an, an airbud when he puts the little uh, the pudding cups out. It's like that, except oh. this ain't no airbud. Wow! Now I really want a chocolate pudding cup. Thanks. Uh, excellent. Yeah, as you get your orders from Colonel Butterscotch, uh, make sure uh, 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 Horf is moving in the right direction. You start making your way through the interior jungles of Neverland. Traveling through the jungle is a little easier as a gnome as you're uh, more out of harm's reach. Um, being active patrollers for the gnome village, you know what to look out for signs of danger, for signs of harm, for signs of hazard, and can frankly travel through the jungle without much hassle. Um, everyone, make a quick survival check. Uh, to see how quickly we can find the entrance into these caves. So if you uh, for those of us who've never played D&D before, which would be me, how, do, how does one make a survival check? Of course, yes. If you are looking at your character sheet, your skills should be near the center of the sheet. You'll find survival under S, because the list is alphabetical. Roll your die and add your bonus. Or if you're using D&D Beyond, you can click on the die, click on the number, and it'll roll for you. When you have your result, go ahead and shout it out. Four. 19. 4, 19. 12. Or 11, rather. I go 4. Horf. Oh, I go horf. Not too shabby. Uh, luckily, um, where are those names go? Dewdrop, leading the group. Maybe you've been to uh, um, this waterfall before, um, but I, I'd love to hear a description of how you you lead the group to this cave entrance that's next to a waterfall. Well, I would um, 
be very free and just kind of like walking and kind of motioning to your right you'll notice of course our lovely this that and the other kind of plants that grow in in neverland and to your left you'll see our beautiful friends these kind of slugs and then i'll say and here we are as you hear the roaring of the waves we're at the cave it's got a beautiful wide opening quite welcoming excellent and as you all find the opening it is just that uh, a gap between stone partly hidden by a large rooted tree um you hear normal cave sounds that you would suspect coming out of the entrance smelling stale air dripping D DM. Yeah. What, what do normal cave sounds sound like that's what i was about to describe okay, okay keep going yeah, okay. no, you do. You would let me finish. All right, Ooh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Normal cave sounds like the dripping of water echoing across the stone, the slight shifting of critters jutting between stalagmites, uh, and air whistling between uh, uh, stones in the walls. Uh, it's quite dark looking past the entrance. Um, those of you with the ability to see through darkness see that there's sort of a, 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 a foyer in the cave, sort of like a large open area just past the entrance, and then it quickly turns to your left. Now, all of you are experienced patrolling gnomes and might know of what dangers would lie ahead. Why don't each of you roll a nature check to determine what you would find inside one of these caves? Uh, 12. 12. 15. All right. 11. What was that, Horf? 19. 19. And Fetish? I didn't hear you either. Uh, 11. Horf, you're not a stranger to the caves and mountain ranges of Neverland. Um having probably spent some time in, in this region or in this specific cave, you know that there are dangers to be wary of. Um, spiders across the island, especially the extra large ones, like the humidity levels inside these caves underneath the nest of the giant gator. Um, certainly something to be aware of. You would also know as Colonel Butterscotch informed you crocodiles recently hatched from eggs, though you might think they're small and cute. Baby crocodiles of a gargantuan crocodile are quite large and lethal. Um, Horf, would you maybe want to uh, give this information to the rest of your group or, or give them a warning of, of what might be ahead? Uh, yeah, Horf, Horf says... Uh, uh, or think go slow, go slow, or say go slow, and uh, uh, does Horf get an action? Should he can Horf start tiptoeing forward? Of course, yeah, if that's what you want to do, let's, let's do it. Excellent. Why, why are we why are we going slow? Why does he want to go slow? Do, do you know? You know what? Never mind. Let's just follow him. Every, okay, okay, everybody. I, I, hey, dude, you don't got to shush me, dude. Drop. We've been over this before. It's all good. Let's just quietly follow along. Uh, 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 Latrell's, uh, silent mode. Uh, 
if you don't know this point, there's a construct that's been following us. His name's Latrell Latrine. Um, <laughs> and uh, he he is a construct. He looks like he's been put together with like a whole bunch of parts. Uh, he has a, some a little bit of black smoke sputtering every every now and then, and uh, he smells good, but it smells like a masking kind of good. So, <laughs> let me get my construct miniatures real quick. <laughs> <laughs> he literal porta potty, Michael. Is that what, what we're dealing with here? What? You never asked. Nope. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, with Horf leading the way, uh, signaling to move quietly, everybody please make a quick stealth check. No black oak. Get back over here. <laughs> a 12. Uh, a 4, because 22. I'm trying to make sure that Latrell is uh, <laughs> being quiet, but he's not. Excellent. Uh, as you all make your way inside the cave, uh, you realize there aren't a lot of areas to, to mask your movements. Not a lot of big rocks to hide behind or, or, or walls to conceal yourself. Uh, there's a straight shot down the open tunnel way that eventually cuts back to the right uh, north again in direction. Um, you don't see any other creatures, any other beings inside this hallway of a tunnel. But what you would notice out of the corner of your eye, some sort of substance, a silky, white, stringy material laced and tied between uh, a stalagmite and a wall. A webbing, of course, one of these giant spiders Horf warned you about. Now, there is a way to bypass the web, sort of a long way around the stalagmite, um, but that's what we see so far. Group, what would we like to do? Uh, Y'all want to go around? Uh, I, I figure it's best not to mess with spiders. That does Horf seem wise. Spiders. What was that, Horf? Horf hates spiders. All right. Well, I believe it's settled. Uh, let's uh, let's move around this thing, and gonna try and shimmy. Excellent. Uh, while you all are shimmying, please make a perception check. Oh, yep. That's Michael. That's me. Let's see. <laughs> There's natural Michaels and there's critical Michaels. This one is a critical Michael, meaning zero. <laughs> I almost said it. I was like, that would be mean to imply that a critical Michael is a zero, but okay. It's a zero. <laughs> 15. Welcome back to the table, friend. Mm -hmm. 15 from Dewdrop. Uh, 20. And 20. Ooh, excellent roll. Uh, and fetish, I didn't hear your role either. 17. 17. Um, everybody um, uh, other than Xavier notices something inside the chamber. As you round this quarter, you see that it's completely blocked off by webbing. 
Um, no matter which way you would want to go, there's no easy means of egress. And as you're looking at that webbing, you realize you might have ventured a little too far into this den as above you, crawling on the ceiling is a large spider coming from the alcove behind you. Hmm. And we all see it? Does it see us? Yeah, it's hanging. It's upside down, walking on the ceiling, trying to be stealthy, but you all notice it uh, before it can get within a threatening range. Um, now would be a great opportunity to try to interact or intervene with it before it gets to you. Would we know historically if spiders are hostile towards gnomes? Of course you would, and they are. <laughs> okay. Second question. Would we know what is hostile towards the spiders? Like, what are they afraid of? Sure. Um, make a history check with that one. Let's see what you can recall from your own experiences. Um, let me know what you get. Okay. 14. 14. Uh, you know, cave-dwelling spiders are not a fan of fire. Um, and they know when they're outmatched. If they feel like they can't win a fight or get some easy prey, they'll run. Okay. Then, let's see. I'm looking at my spells. Sure. And if anyone else is anything, feel free to, to pipe up. Um, how, far, how far away is it? Right now, the spider is 15 feet away from the closest... I'm thinking about horse um, thinking about lighting a torch maybe oh. um, not as an attack but just as um, maybe burning webs and or just to see if the spider will just like chill out and just excellent give yeah Horf give me the flavor on lighting that torch is a, a how, how does Horf light a torch um, Horf takes a long time fumbling through his bag. <laughs> uh, he he has dark vision, but he's clumsy. So Horf, Horf, Horf dropped several torches. Uh, <laughs> kicks, kicks one into the dark a little bit, fumbles around. Um, but eventually he, he gets it um, and um, he, he, he lights it up. Um, any, but before he kind of just holds it off to look around, he holds it up to his face first to like make a make a, a goofy face in the in the shadow. Like he makes like a spooky face. Uh, Horf, as you make a, a spooky shadow puppety face in the shadow of your torch, you notice that there is another spooky face shadowed from the torch you just lit. And as you look ahead of you. You see another large spider in the cave network closing in with a pincering technique. Um, Xavier, Fetish, uh, uh, Dewdrop, anything from you three as uh, Horf is lighting the torch? I guess so. Yes, at this point, I would flourish my hands like this and create a minor illusion of a fire, like, blocking us. And I would try to make it look like it came from Horf's torch. Like his his torch is so magical and amazing that it just like whoosh, everything's on fire in front of us. You can't come over here. 
excellent. Uh, what's your spell save DC, Dewdrop? Let me see if the uh, the spiders can outperceive that illusion. That is a twelve. A twelve. Well, one of them went full Michael and rolled a negative one. The other a five. Uh, so both spiders are under the ruse that this flame lit by Horf is is large and brilliant and bright, and you see them start to to back away a little bit. Um, Xavier, anything to maybe add to the the chaos here? Mm, is one of them on the ceiling? Yes, the one uh, to the right side of the battle cam is on the ceiling. The one on the top of the battle cam is is on the cave floor. All right, uh, I will just do. Uh, I'm gonna cast grease, but I'm gonna pull out one of those like old timey like grease guns that you have to like push the plunger. <laughs> and I'm just gonna <laughs> grab it and push it up towards the the ceiling of where that that spider is. Excellent. Yeah, as grease sprays coating the ceiling of the cave. Um, uh, Xavier, what kind of saving throws does the spider need to make for me? That's right. I think Dex, but yeah, it's Dex. Uh, Dex save is thirteen. And I, as I, as I, you know, as the grease comes firing out of the the, the grease gun or whatever, I'm like, look out now, and I just like spray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you all hear "look out now," and then a splatter of grease as it drips from the ceiling, followed by a whoop, 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 thud as the spider falls from the ceiling of the cave slamming down the jagged floor, uh, dealing 2d6 falling damage to the tune of 7 points of bludgeoning damage to the giant spider. Get! Go on! (laughs) Move! (laughs) Um, Fetish, what do you got for us? I am going to, uh, I'm going to look over to the left, I'm going to look to the right, I'm going to see everything that's going down, uh, and I'm going to uh, cast Firebolt, and I'm going to uh, twin the spell. So I'm going to target both of the creatures. Uh, Roll at disadvantage for the spider on the top of the screen. It's surrounded by its webbing, which will likely catch the flame. Okay, so one. Um, So I roll attacks for each, right? Yes, one for each. Uh, Advantage on the prone spider and then disadvantage on the uh, spider in cover. Okay, sorry, I was just reading because it's been it's been a couple of years since I played a sorcerer. That's okay. I remember my first time playing D anD D. Yeah, me too. Uh, double fourteens plus four on the disadvantage, so eighteen disadvantage for the one. Uh, that still hits as you burn through the webbing. Uh, the the blaze is hot enough to scorch the giant spider. And the other one is a seventeen to hit. Seventeen hits as well. All right, and then on the first damage is five points of fire damage. The second one is two points of fire damage. Excellent. Not too shabby. Um, shabby. As the the spiders react, the one that was greased uh, and then ignited flips back over onto its eight legs, skitters backwards and then just disappears into the darkness back into its its, its hobbled hole from where it came uh, leaving the area the other spider still feeling a bit confident co- covered partly by webs uh, partly webs burned away um, will shoot or sorry not shoot because these aren't those kinds of spiders uh, will run up 
and attack one of our gnomes. And I'm sorry, who claimed the yellow token? That's Was that me. awesome? Uh, Xavier Spider is leaping at you with its bite attack. A plus five to hit you will pierce through your no. armor. I am gonna have my steel defender because I imagine he's close to me. Always to a deflect attack. The defender imposes disadvantage on attack roll. One creature can see that is five feet with uh, of it, provided the attack rolls against the creature other than the defender. So I imagine oh, Xavier's awesome. like next to me. Will you uh, will you give me the flavor on that like distracting shield? Uh, yeah, uh, you're gonna see Xavier the robot. It, look, the smokestacks that he has is like right at his mouth, and it's just like belching out like thick black smokes like <laughs> and just kind of like diff- kind of just putting up a smoke screen in front of yeah him. excellent uh and the spider originally rolled a 17 to hit the disadvantage is a natural one critically failing and opening up an opportunity attack from horf uh who i'd say is is close enough Horf, you see the spider lunge at one of your companions. Um, it misses so bad on its attack that it gets a little too close to you. If you like, you could use your reaction to make an attack roll with one of your melee weapons. Um, yeah, can I think I think Horf is thinking that Dewdrop's uh, magic really was from his torch. Yeah, so he's feeling really <laughs> confident in a torch right now. Can he just shove this torch in the spider's face as it comes comes close to him? Absolutely, you can. Uh, make an attack roll using your light hammer, and then if you hit, we'll replace the, uh, the, the piercing damage or bludgeoning damage with fire damage. All right. Uh, so what do I what do I roll here? So what you are you looking at D and D Beyond? Yes. So if you go to your actions under attack, you'll see your light hammer. You want to click on that plus four where it says hit slash DC. Yeah. Click on that. And it should tell you your result. I got a 24. A 24 in easy. Yeah. Just dunk with (laughs) the torch. Uh, You all see just like a burst of flames catch the spider's, uh, you know, hairy body. Uh, Horf, roll two four-sided dice for fire damage. Um, Two. So right. on on D D Beyond, the bottom left, you should see a, a little like D twenty icon circled in yep. red. The D four is the one on the bottom. The you want to roll two of those. Two of those, you say. All right, I got a two. And I got two twos. Two twos. Four points of fire damage as you all hear the giant spider squeal as it briefly catches on fire and runs back out of the smoke cloud, out of the torch's harm, into its webbing, and out of your your all's sight. It seems the two spiders have been dispatched, though there is still a little bit of webbing to get through. Um, it'll be up to the group to determine how we want to safely traverse the path ahead. That is a good question. Yeah, this is what I call a sticky situation, you know? Do drop, you know? I do know. Forget about it. 
God, the spider's uh, still talking. Hold on one second. I just punched the spider body again. That was shut it up. Yeah. Squeak. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm going to get my hand axe and I'm just going to. I'm just going to start trying to cut the, the web. I know that's not how any of this works, but that's that's what I got. Sure. Yeah. Xavier, you start hacking at this, the sticky, silky web with your hand axe. Uh, it's a slow process, um, and we'll I will help quickly... you with my rapier. And I'll be firebolting it as well. <laughs> sure. Um, Horf, anything to add to the uh, excavation of spider webbing? Yeah, if he's still got his torch, you know it always works in Zelda. So Horf's gonna <laughs> Horf's gonna lay his lay what's left of his little nub of his torch to any uh, any webs he sees. Yeah, Andrew, you just discovered the the secret of my DMing that no one else has, and the rule is if it works in Zelda, it works at my <laughs> tables, too. Mm, okay. um, yeah, Horf, you see uh, a few of your companions uh, trying to stab and slash uh, silky, sticky webs. Um, you see um, uh, Fetish burning flames with, with his magic as you get the idea to also burn away the flames with your torch. And that is enough effort from the group to clear the webs and continue our way forward. Um, as you turn the corner once more, diving deeper into this cave network, um, you see that there are there's an elevation change. Some steps up lead to an opening to another chamber within this cave. Um, you hear water slightly shifting not like like you know a moving stream uh, but certainly not stagnant water um ahead though you can't see much because of the elevation change um what would you all like to do i mean uh, it sounds like it might be a little wet up ahead i'm not sure what we should uh do to try and address i mean whatever it's water we just go forward right yep that's what we do you want to send your little uh, your little barrel with the, uh, the the you want to send that ahead of us? Name's Latrell. You can call him Latrell. Oh hey uh, oh I I apologize. Latrell, would you care to scout in front of the group for the group on behalf of the group? He don't he doesn't like scouting. But thanks for asking him. I, I, Why was I addressing him if you were going to answer for it? <laughs> At least be courteous. That's a fair point, and I cannot argue with it. Now let's move ahead and try and scramble. <laughs> And get up wherever we're going. Sure, um, Xavier, are you just uh, like are you moving stealthily? Are you just walking in? Are you doing any other preparation? What's the the motive here? I was just gonna walk in. I, uh, I'm a gnome. I just I'm not. We're just walking in. Well, that's how gnomes do. I'm I'm a, I'm a gnome. I'm a gnome. That that should go on a t-shirt, right? I'm a, I'm a gnome. gnome. I'm a gnome. I'm a gnome. I'm a gnome. I'm a gnome. That was a door of the Explorer reference, just in case that went over anyone's head. I want to make sure that joke really <laughs> landed with everybody. Okay, as we all make our way into this next chamber, led by uh, Xavier. Um, it's a large 
chamber. Um, bordered on all four sides by rocky cave walls, um, there there isn't uh, an, an obvious exit out of this room um, other than the one you just came through. A small pool of green-tainted cave water slightly ripples in the center of this room. The source of the water isn't obviously known, uh, whether it's an underground stream or just has pooled here over time. Um, but I would like all of you to make a quick perception check to see um, spot anything else in this chamber. Eight. Um, we were reminding me. Nineteen. Horf got thirteen. Thirteen, nineteen, uh, and Xavier, how'd you do? Uh, seven. Seven, thank you. Um, miraculously, all of you notice two creatures seemingly napping in the pool. Their heads are the only thing that are not submerged under this stagnant cave water. Cave water. Elongated, flat, scaly skulls with pointed teeth uh, zipped together on the outside of their mouth. Two adolescent crocodiles sleep in this chamber. Now, of course, you know that you must keep moving through this cave network uh, to eventually bottom out at the uh, gargantuan gator's nest, though you don't see a point of exit inside this chamber. It'll take some group effort to move forward. What would we like to do? And you said we, we can't see the exit from here? Correct. Yeah, there's no other like opening or threshold. You walked in through, uh, you know, an opening, um, and that's the only way back out of this chamber that you notice, at least. Um, hmm. Horf, Horf is, Horf is expecting an exit. It <laughs> <That> doesn't <laughs> see it. He's, He's curious, although not excited about the idea that it may be in the water. Um, so what kind of, is there any further, I know that Horf can do like a magic kind of check. Is there any further perception check that Horf can do beyond just learning about um, uh, the, the, that these gators are in the water? Of is course, yeah. Um, if you want to like, try to detect any magical sources in this room you could use an arcana check to you know pick up the trail of, of, of sourced magic um you could also roll a history check to see what you might know about you know the island and how caves work and how inhabitants or how the structures are laid out um that could give you some insight as well from like your personal experience of being inside caves um or if you want to like get your hands dirty, you can use investigation to start like actively searching each, you know, like wall, floor, ceiling segment of the chamber. You know what? Let's do let's let's do investigation. Let's do that. Excellent. And which area would you like to start searching? Horf wants to stick his head under the water just real quick. <laughs> I know it's muddy. But Horf is Horf is hoping he'll see he'll learn something under the water <laughs> real quick. 
Excellent. Yeah, as as Horf walks up to the uh, the stagnant cave pool, uh, what's everyone else doing? I'm watching Horf a little concernedly uh, to see what they're doing um, and keep an eye on the crocs. Uh, total side note for the DM, I am a wild magic sorcerer. So, uh, yeah, just, just a thing to remember to make yeah, the game fun. I like that. Um, I would say what I am doing is I'm going to ready my sleep spell in case these crocodiles wake up uh, to cast sleep on them again if I have to. Sure. Uh, I'm going to tap Latrell's arm or his his side. He's going to lift up his arm and I'm going to pull a hose out of his armpit and put it into the water and be like, uh, he just needs to fill up. It's been a, I forgot to fill him up before we left. So um, <laughs> anyway, don't mind us. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Uh, do you have a specific like side of the pool you want to be by? Away from the alligators for now. Yeah. Uh, okay, I was gonna move you as close to them as possible. So I'm glad you specified. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and do drop. I would like to. Let me see. Um. So I have I have two of my party members like playing in this water, correct? Yes. Uh, and okay. then um, fetish is keeping an eye on the gators. Okay. I will. I will also just keep an eye out. I'm going to like ready my bardic inspiration should a situation arise where people might need extra things. Excellent. I'm going to be ready to inspire. Wonderful. Uh, Horf, why don't you make a investigation check as you submerge your head in the water? Sure. Before I do that, I can, is it possible? So Horf has a swarm of. I think I'm just going to make them common house flies because nice. Horf, says, Horf lit is a hermit. He lives in a small cave. Uh, he doesn't smell well. So can Horf send? Can Horf send his flies just like over the crocodiles while he plunges his head in here? Just as like a maybe they'll give the flies more attention than Horf's head. Is that a thing? Of course, yeah. Uh, and how do you give direction to your flies? He just grumbles. Horf is like, in like nods. Horf is just... <clears throat> and then they do his bidding. He like does like head jerks and like looks out the corner yeah. of his eye. Yeah, and, and the rest of you see the various... Uh, shaped and sized flies that are either buzzing around Horf or, uh, you know, landed on Horf, uh, all leave in a concentrated swarm as they buzz around the gators. Um, uh, Fetish, you're, you've got an eye on those gators. You notice they don't react too much to the flies buzzing around, um, but they certainly act as a sort of, like, uh, you know, alarm if the gators start shifting about annoyingly. Um, and Horf, yeah, let's make your investigation check with your swarm of flies let's in place. Let's take the plunge. Take Horf the rolls plunge. a 12. 
Excellent. Take the plunge. Uh, for for most gnomes, it's not a pleasant experience. The water is very murky and muddy. Um, there are a lot of like twigs and leaves and and other things like bound in the water, making it a little thick. Um, but maybe for you, it's 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 refreshing. Um, but that's of course for you to decide. Um, as you poke your head into the water. Um, you don't see much. Your dark vision cuts through the the green murky liquid, and you do see like the bottom halves of the gators um, slightly floating in the stagnant water. Um, but you don't see any devices. You don't see any switches. Um, but there is one thing that catches your eye. Uh, on the far side of this little pond... I will use this yellow marker to represent where you see it. Like right up against the base of that stalagmite in the water, there seems to be a, a loose stone that looks like if it was pulled or removed could collapse that stalagmite, which seems out of the ordinary. Uh, do you want to share that information with the party? Do you want to act on it? What are you thinking? Yeah, Horf pulls his head out. Um, he's not—he's not real fond of being wet. He doesn't bathe <laughs> very often, so this is a very new experience for him. Um, and uh, Horf, Horf is like mm, uh, Horf. Horf don't know. Horf, Horf's not sure, but um, I'm just gonna like slide through. Like I just got Russian for it. It's like and Horf is just gonna slide into all kinds of accents. Uh, Horf, Horf, uh, Horf think, uh, Spike out of water is very, very suspicious. Horf, Horf doesn't like, Horf doesn't um, like this rock. Fetish, Dewdrop, and, um, Xavier, make history checks for me real quick. <laughs> Michael with the, the head shake, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll just stop asking you to make skill checks, I guess. I no, know. you keep doing it. This is my okay. thing. You know, Andrew <laughs> wanted to experience everything, so... That's, <laughs> that's part Full of range of D&D. Uh, how, how do we do, team? 17. And a 9 with a plus 5, so... That's, I rolled a 4. And, and Fetish? Uh, 18. 18. Um, yeah, fetish and uh, dewdrop. This connects this information uh, that Horf, uh, you know, explains to you. Um, pirates often network, live, and occupy these tight cave networks, and leave you know hidden rooms and doorways, often triggered by you know switches and levers and that sort of thing. That loose stone could be one of those pirate stash secret switches hey you uh in case y'all didn't know the uh you remember the pirates everybody remembers the pirates freaking pirates uh they they fucking hang out in caves like this and they like to hide uh they think they're very clever they like to hide the uh the little levers the pulleys and things like rocks and stuff to look very natural they like to put their keys under a stone literally right outside their front door as if nobody would think of that um so look look around see if you see anything like that that might be the way to get through to the next room and so horrible. should we go pull that lever? 
it seems very thematic and on brand given the game that we're playing and the dungeon master running the game, but that's a little meta for me, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What do we want to do? Yeah, hey, uh, or, or if, uh, can you reach that? Can you reach that leather? Uh, le leather. I mean, leather. I got, I got that gator leather on the brain now. Uh, it's there. I hear you. Uh, Horv, can you pull it's that good. lever over there uh, near you and, and see what happens? We're all going to stand back here further away for no particular reason. Of course. Yeah, the lever is currently yeah, across also... the chamber, closer to the gators than the group. So it'll take some coordination, some effort to, to get to it. Horf is really reluctant to continue to disturb the water, especially that close to the gators. So Horf is going to sneak up and can he reach it with, say, like his longbow or something? Can he stick something in the water rather than getting in himself and, uh, and, and trip this, this lever? Okay. Yeah, an excellent tactic. The lever is probably, you know... 10 to 12 inches underneath the surface of the small pond. Um, so if you want to get over there, whether uh, stealthing to try to remain undetected from the gators, uh, maybe relying on your companions yeah. to distract the gators, or however we want to get this lever pulled is up to the group to figure out. Well, if Zelda rules apply, he just needs to shoot an arrow through a torch. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I know. That's right. Dang it. You're right. <laughs> Do, 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 do. Uh, okay, uh, Horf, I look, you, uh, yeah, you sneak over there, buddy. Uh, we're going to, uh, we're going to do something to, uh, the, the crocs are still asleep. Is that correct? They are. Flies buzzing around them haven't alerted Horf of any disturbance from the gators, but you all know getting too close could certainly proctor some gator bites. How right, about so this? You, go ahead. How yeah, about what, I what just... you got? How about I just have someone else do it for us? That's what I'm trying to do right now. I'm sending Horf. What are you? What are you? No, that's awful. <laughs> well, no, it's a, team, it's a team thing. It's a team maneuver. Horf's like a cast... pin cushion, you know? <laughs> I will cast Unseen Servant, <laughs> and I would like to send my servant to pull the lever. Ooh. And, um, and servants can, like, interact with physical objects? I think so. It says they can like fold clothes and stuff. <laughs> what is a lever but clothes? A, the servant yeah. can perform simple tasks that a human servant could do, such as fetching things, cleaning, mending, folding clothes, lighting fires, serving food, and pulling levers. Just oh kidding, wow! Pouring wine. But Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's perfect. Um, uh, Dewdrop, I'd love uh, an explanation, a description of uh, what your unseen servant looks like. Well, so only you know. <laughs> um, so you would, uh, you, again, you would see me sort of like, like do some like very theatrical and dramatic flourishing, and then, um, and then you would just wait to see a lever pulled because you wouldn't see anything. It's invisible. Excellent, um, and that's exactly what happens. You all see like the water uh, ripple as the lever is pulled underneath the water surface. And as it does, a secret door behind you in the wall opens. Doo -doo 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 -doo. Look at that beautiful Dwarven Forge secret door opening. Mm -hmm. So clever. Um, 
As the door opens and the water is disturbed, Horf, your flies start buzzing with alarm as the gators start snapping their jaws awake. Um, what is the group do doing? The exit to the chamber is open. The gators are waking. That's the situation at hand. I assume we go through the door, right? Yeah, as, as everybody goes through the door, I'm going to use Minor Illusion to cast a uh, like a, uh, an image of a small chicken in front of the, the crocs, uh, just you know far enough away from the door and where they are to maybe redirect attention and see if that works. If that fails, I got sleep in my back pocket. Excellent. So, uh, Dewdrop, you're running through the door, correct? Yes. Uh, Fetish, you're running through the door and casting Minor Illusion to distract the gators, yeah? Indeed. Uh, Xavier, what are you doing? Uh, unfortunately, I think I have to spend an action. It says it nowhere, but I have to spend an action putting the hose away so that we can, me <laughs> and the troll can get out of there. I, I like to think, Xavier, that this isn't the first time you've had to pack up the hose in a pinch. Um, mm -hmm. So if you can, if you can roll... <laughs> you can roll... Come on, that's a stretch. Uh, if you can roll a, uh, a good sleight of hand, I'll let you pack and run. Alright, uh, sleight of hand. I'm good Please. at that. And Horf, what are you doing as the, the flies are buzzing, the doors are opening? Um, Horf, Horf is uh, is often um, a little surprised by any action. So he, 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 he sees everybody moving towards the door and he's like, huh, what, huh? and he just kind of falls. He just falls in line and he's like, all right, we're going this way. Uh, Excellent. I got a 21 because I think I have advantage on like things that I personally work with. Awesome. So, um, yeah, I'm, are slick. I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab the hose and just put it over my shoulder and be like, come on, Lichero, we gotta go. We don't got time. <laughs> of course. Yeah. As the gators start snapping, rolling in the water, um, what is your spell save DC fetish? Let's see if the gators fall for the illusion. Um, sorry, my spell save DC. 12, yes, please. Level three. I think. I think twelve. Uh, they roll a dirty zero and a four, so they my run God, out God, of the water. That's right. <laughs> they run out of the water, chasing the illusion chicken in the opposite corner of the cave. As each one of you, one by one, escapes, whether you're carrying a hose, tripping over yourself or uh, uh, graciously and gallantly walking through. We move to the next area. I would also like, I assume um, in, in, the, in the commotion, I would command my unseen servant to also follow us because it lasts for an hour. And just in case we need anything else, I want it hanging around. Roger that. You all take a few steps out of this chamber and realize that you are back outside. Above the Neverland jungle canopy and on like a plateau um, on the low end of the mountain range. Here, another small pool of flowing water 
falls over this plateau's edge uh, into, you know, some sort of lower area that you can't quite see uh, unless you're, like, peeking over the plateau. Um, bordered around this pool are large uh, uh, root and moss-covered rocks that makes this alcove a little, like, niche, calm clearing. You hear the beautiful, harmonized singing of two Neverland mermaids perched on a rock inside of this well of a waterfall. They are combing their hair, uh, uh, counting seashells, and singing in an alto and soprano octave. They don't seem to notice that you just entered their um, little sanctuary. What we would like to do. Yeah, we gotta go talk to the mermaids, right? When we got to that, the hero would be rude to not go talk to the mermaids, right? So what if I, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go talk to the, yo, do you want to come with you? We'll say, you can say here, I'm gonna go, go this way to do that. Yeah, I, I thought, I'd object. like to meet them as well. I, I've never met uh, uh, a mermaid before. Never, you never met a mermaid? Mm-mm. You gotta meet Sheila. She is the best mermaid. <laughs> Do drop. Uh, you know the mermaids. I yeah, I know Sheila. Everybody knows Sheila. Uh, I don't see her over here, but maybe that connection will create. Uh, or if you want to, you want to go meet a mermaid. They're very friendly. They ignore the fangs and the eating of of poor sailors. That you know, it happens. Horf is in. I say about- we go. <laughs> Horf, uh, Horf is distracted, looking over the edge. I uh, didn't hear a word any uh, anyone said, and so he he does not. Um, if you go to talk to them, he he's too busy just in awe, looking over the edge of the the waterfall. He does not fall. Before we get to the mermaids, uh, Horf looking over the plateau's edge, following the waterfall. Um, the sounds of the roaring water sort of, you know, cancels out the sound of your companions talking. And you see what is at the bottom of this plateau. Let me give it the, the big old reveal. I'm very excited about it. <laughs> He's like, thank God someone looked over the edge. <laughs> <laughs> and here's all this stuff you'll never actually go adventure through. The real life of a DM. <laughs> okay. You see the water falling over the plateau's edge and filling the nest of the gator that sleeps here. A massive tail covered in green scales lies floating on top of the water. The size of this tail is 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 too big to measure. Um, you can't see like as it like goes the tail curves over the horizon you don't see like how far it actually curves over Um, nested around the tail is exactly that the gators bordered nest large like physical trunks of fallen trees matted together uh, with mud and stone keeps the nest structured and sound Uh, make a quick perception check Horf This is like a kaiju oh, gator. This thing's yeah. enormous. All right, Horf's got fifteen. 
Sorry. I hit the wrong button. My apologies. That was performance. I'll take a performance. (laughs) Well, I'll take my perception's 19, though, so that's fine. As you look over, you see what you are looking for. Uh, That white token next to the gator's tail with the skull on it are floating broken fragments of an alligator egg. Um, Horf's very excited at this. Um, he he keeps it to himself for a moment. He's kind of like shaking in his in his little leather trousers, uh, just like kind of like hopping up and down. And uh, and he gets really excited, and uh, he he can't help but uh, but scurry over to his new mates, and he's like, oh, Horf knows, Horf knows, eggs, big eggs, big eggs, and he's just pointing. Over the edge of the, uh, of the sure. waterfall. Oh, hooray, Horf! Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, there's the egg. Okay, okay. Uh, I really want. Okay, I guess we'll meet them later. Um, well, how far? How far down are the eggs? Like, what's the distance? Of course, yeah. Um, Dewdrop, as as Horf informs you of where the uh, eggshell fragments are, uh, you you get a quick survey of the land. Um, it's a decently steep drop here. Um, it's it's exactly that, like a 90 degree drop down. It could be between like 60 to 80 feet. Um, and from what you can tell, the water falls and then like falls into a, you know, a pool of water. Then the alligator's nest, which is just like a border, and then more water where like the egg fragments are floating and then the alligator's tail. Okay. What I would like to attempt to do is get myself and my unseen servant within 60 feet of this gator and then send my unseen servant to get the eggs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, As you position yourself on the plateau to send the servant, um, what's everyone else doing? Look, I get that the eggs are over there, but uh, we, you know, maybe the mermaids know something. Maybe they know about more eggs. Have you ever thought you guys take that? your time. Yeah, I get it. So you you do the unseen thing, and I'm gonna do this. Oh, so we still get to meet them? Go right ahead. Oh, okay. Horf notices the mermaids. Horf notices the mermaids for the first time and gets excited again. Um. Uh, fetish seems like you're you're leading yourself, Horf and uh, Xavier, to uh, talk with some mermaids. Mm-hmm. Take it away. <clears throat> Ladies, how we doing? As you walk up to the edge of this pool, um, putting on your your best charm, your best smile. Um, and, and greet the mermaids they just ignore you still singing their song in perfect harmony um make an insight check fetish um at the same time do drop make an arcane check please 15 15 okay hey uh 15 a 15 um do drop 
as you send your servant out, you notice that like the the connection to the the, the magical servant is like strained and almost mm-hmm. thickened, like you're, you're like you're pushing a rock through mud, and you realize that the the normal reach of your servant is slowed down. You can't quite push it as far to recover those egg fragments. Um, in fact, it lands a little more shallow at the base of the waterfall there. Um, And you realize that whatever song these mermaids are singing is dampening the effectiveness of magic cast and used in this area. Mm. Um, Can um, can I do something with that knowledge or no? Yes. Real quick, let me just go to Fetish as he was uh, interacting with the mermaids. Uh, Fetish, I'm sorry, your insight check was? 15. 15. Um, you notice that the mermaids didn't so much as just like blatantly ignore you that they probably still haven't noticed you're standing there. The song they're singing is some sort of like trance or ritual and it seems that all of their focus and attention is poured into that song. Well, I mean, I mean, obviously they're in the middle of some sort of trance or ritual and all their attention is poured into that song. I mean, that's <laughs> why they would have noticed me. They, are, they otherwise would have, obviously. Um, uh, can I do I I've been on the island for a little bit do I uh, you know I've, I've interacted with mermaids as best I can uh, can I determine um, what this uh, song might be doing do I know why they typically sing is there any sort of hint I can get here of course yeah make a history check um, Xavier Horf Dewdrop anything you three want to be doing this time as well I would message um, Xavier I think and I would say hey it's a it's dewdrop. Can you you guys? I need you to get the mermaids to stop singing. Oh, okay. Uh, hey, uh, uh, fetish. Uh, apparently we need to uh, we need to stop these uh, mermaids, ladies, uh, from singing. Uh, apparently, uh, dewdrop's having some problems down there. Um. Are we, you, I, I thought you had moves or something. No, I, no, 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 I do. Uh, no, I, I, I got a great idea. Uh, your buddy <laughs> here, uh, uh, Latrine, uh, uh, Latrell, Latrell Latrine. Yeah. Uh, you still got that? Uh, is that hose still hanging out? Do, uh, do, do you mind? Can I? Is, is that okay? Is it cool sure. if I just like the okay? Because uh, you just pulled all that water up, right? And so I'm mm-hmm. gonna point the hose at the mermaids and be like, "All right, hit Latrell." <laughs> oh, that. Latrell. Okay. Yeah. Latrell, if you can hit it, I'll tap his thigh. Any any moment now, Latrell. I'm. They might not like you after this, though. No, that's um, fine. We'll, we'll deal with that. I'll, I'll, I'll hit Latrell to, to, to. This is not a thing for the battle campaign, but no, it's you're just, fine. You know, I'm all about the flavor. It's of the not. Blood. It's it's not. There's no. There's no. Uh, you know, damage or anything. But it's blue yeah. water, obviously. It's of course. It's, yep. It's going. Excellent. Uh, and while we're hosing uh, Horf, is there anything you wanted to do to, to add to the, the commotion here? Um, I think Horf is going to wait to see how that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's totally fair. Um, awesome. So, Fetish, you start spraying the mermaids uh, with water drained from the uh, stagnant cave well. Um, and the mermaids do not like this. This gross, 
dirty, muddy, twiggy water, um, starts splattering them, dirtying them up, matting their hair uh, and their their, their their clean, smooth skin um, as they as one of them breaks out of song. Uh, the one sort of higher perched up on the rock here. At the same time, Dewdrop, you realize that as half the song is stopped being sung, you can push your unseen servant just a little closer, but not quite close enough to retrieve the eggshells. Uh, the mermaid wipes her face clean, um, looking over at you, Fetish, holding the hose that is now like dripping with the sludge cave water. Uh, and she says, My goodness, have you no manners? <laughs> I see you have no height, so of course you have no manners. Whoa, 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 whoa. Rude. A little rude. I don't like the implication. You don't have legs. I don't give you shit about it. Like, what's the big deal? <laughs> legs are a hindrance when it comes to... Walking? Uh, yeah, no, not really. <laughs> you savage thing. Don't you know what you're disturbing? Don't you see the creature that sleeps here? The only thing I see sleeping are your manners, uh, so I, I'm not really sure what your point is. Uh, while this conversation is going on, Xavier and Horf, please make perception checks. Oh. Horf's got 14. A 6. This is par for the course. <laughs> okay, I heard a 14 and a 6. Yep, sure. Yeah. Um, Horf. Um, you notice something in the water, uh, sort of like bubbling from between where the mermaid is talking and where Fetish is talking. Something is moving through the water and towards Fetish's direction as he stands at the water's edge. Um, how would you react to that? Um... Horf is going to, um, he's going to throw something at it. Can he just throw a rock, something not lethal as a kind of like a uh, poke? Like a of course. investigation. Yeah, there's plenty of loose rocks to grab and huck. Uh, why don't you make an attack roll uh, as if you were attacking with your dagger? So same process as you did with the, the light hammer slash torch before. Yeah, They'll just click on that plus four there. We've got 24. 24? <laughs> That's a good throw. Uh, roll a isn't 1. Isn't that a nat 20? Is, isn't that a, a crit? Did he just oh, did, kill everything? Did you roll nat 20? I did, yeah. I, that's like, uh, yeah, I've been rolling pretty good so far. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Like, is that not uh, what you do in this game? Is no one else rolling these? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how it works, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't get so it. What's wrong? Um, yeah, when you roll a, a, a 20 on the die, that's considered a natural 20, that's considered a critical hit or success. So not only do you succeed in what you're doing, but you exceed like beyond what you're trying to accomplish. So in this case, Horf, you, whether it's, it's perfect timing or coincidence or, or, or accidental, depending on how like the world works around Horf, you take your time, you find a good rock to throw at the thing in the water, and as you do, a third mermaid 
reaches from underneath the water, going to grab Fetish, to pull Fetish down underneath the water's surface, but is met instead with a sizable rock in her face. (laughs) As it smashes into the mermaid, um, roll two six-sided dice, plus your strength modifier for damage. So that'll be two six-siders plus two. Two six-siders plus... All right, hang on. All right. So I got uh, two six-siders plus two, you say? So I got a five, a one, plus two, eight. Eight points of bludgeoning damage as you all hear the skull of the mermaid crack underneath the weight of the thrown rock. As soon as it hits, you hear the injured mermaid, you know, screech out in pain. Oh, my face! As she splashes back (laughs) into the water. Um, The mermaid that was still entranced in song breaks her singing as she tries to figure out what the commotion is. Good heavens, what is happening? Just as that happens, the mermaid stops singing. Uh, uh, Dewdrop, you feel full access to your spell. What do you do? I send it in. Go get that eggshell, servant. Excellent. You send your servant to grab the shell. And as it does, that large black scaled tail starts to slither and move and wake through the water as the crocodile starts to animate. All of you know as the mountain range around you thunders and shakes as the gator takes its first steps after its nap that time is of the essence. What do we do? We got angry mermaids. We have awakening uh, kaiju crocodile and the unseen servant has the eggshells but is a hundred feet away uh can i hold on double just give me three seconds to check <laughs> there's something no here. time but you okay. can have three seconds then, that's then, fine. okay okay Gee, man you're stressing me out bro <laughs> uh um Okay. Xavier, you got something cooking too, man? Yeah, go if you got something, Xavier, go for it. Yep, I'm gonna cast Expeditious Retreat after Ooh. seeing all this commotion happening. Yeah. Uh oh, uh oh <laughs> oh Matt. Oh, we gotta go. Uh, and I'm just gonna <laughs> uh you're gonna see me tap my boots and uh you're gonna see oh, what is what does it probably look like? I don't know. There's like gears on either side of my feet and like some sort of uh, contraption that's also like, um, you know, those circus performers with like the bladed, those bladed, like uh, jumpy, like the bladed jumpy kind of like, uh, <laughs> those, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, we got those no on. idea what you're saying. <laughs> I can't. I don't know what they're called. Like, they're like, like pogo the, sticks on your on your like the, on your the individual foot pogo stick things. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what we're doing. Stilts. Yeah, like pogo stilts. Mm-hmm. Pogo stilts. So we're gonna pogo still our way all over there uh, and try and grab the shells so that we can get out. Uh, I think I can move. How fast can I move? Yeah, there'll there'll be a little time um, for the servant to get back to the group with the shells before we can make our quick escape through the help of Xavier's uh, 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 expeditious retreat spell. Um, so while while uh, uh, Dewdrop and Xavier, you're occupied controlling those two things. 
it'll be up to Horf and Fetish to keep these angry mermaids at bay while we wait for the spell and the eggshells to proctor. What are we doing? Okay, so in that case, uh, I'm going to... Horf, you got something? <laughs> no, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to ask for a favor when I do it. So, yeah, if Horf has something, go ahead. But if you don't, I've got a thing. Yeah, can, can Horf cast either... Can Horf, can Horf cast Snare to, like, entrap the mermaids so we can make this expeditious escape? Of course. Yeah, Ensnaring Strike, uh, a great run-out-of-the-room spell... Um, do you want to cast it on an arrow to shoot, on a on a hammer to throw? Um. Okay, so we need to attach it to an object. Yeah. What's like in your hand? Yeah, let's right do an arrow, arrow that... or shoot. What's in my hand? He's either still got a rock or that acorn he was like nibbling on. <laughs> yeah. Earlier. Let's do the acorn. Yeah, you cast so, uh, ensnaring strike on the acorn. The acorn. I think he's got uh, And uh, fetish. What are you adding to? I would, how many? How many mermaids are there? There are three. Okay, and ensnaring strike is is that a AOE or? It's a single target. Okay, then I would I would cast Maximilian's Earth and Grasp, um, and I would twin it so that I can get can can you just okay so technically i can't twin this but can you just be super cool and let me um <laughs> uh hang on let me let me check let me roll a dice I uh, hear yeah, it's actually cool actually no, no no so so it says that it it comes up from a five foot square and then it targets one creature and i can twin a spell that targets one creature yeah. oh yeah there you okay. go okay so i'm gonna cast maximilian's earth and grasp i'm gonna for the twin record it. i'm still super cool just want to yeah no no you're hella cool everybody knows that yeah um yeah yeah so I'm casting a spell. I'm I'm twinning it to go after the two that that he's not restraining. Um, yeah, that's what I'm doing, and I'm Excellent. casting a spell. Is this so? Um, is it a spell save DC versus your twin spell? It is, in fact, a. They have, uh, they have to make a strength saving throw. Okay. And what are they beating? They're beating twelve. They rolled an eight and a two. Um, so fetish, give me the flavor. Uh, you you trap the two in the back they're uh, on the rock yeah so uh so these two hands burst out and they're wearing uh you know like uh, gloves with the fingers cut off and uh and they just both like grab them um and and they just like hold them down bludgeoning them for 2d6 individually as they do but restraining them for the duration of the spell which is a minute excellent um Horf, you see uh, Earth sprout from around the two back mermaids and restrain them in a rocky grasp. You're quick to act as well as you cast Ensnaring Strike on your snack on the go acorn and throw it at the mermaid you just donked with a, a, a rock. Um, since, you, since you donked her with that nat 20, she's a little <laughs> stunned, a little doozy. Um, You'll get advantage on your attack roll. Come on, what's wrong with Donk? Y'all terrible. Nothing, bro. Run your game. <laughs> I'm trying to play run a clean game. game here. All right. <laughs> um. So, uh, Horf, make an attack roll with advantage, as if you were throwing a dagger. So, you'll make your attack roll twice. Roll those twenties two times and take the higher roll. Got it, Horf. 
So I walk. What I sorry. What do I do? Hit uh, twenty. A twenty twice. So I uh, click your dagger twice. We're gonna pretend that gotcha. you're, you're, okay. you're, yeah. It takes the same amount of like strength to throw an acorn as it does a dagger. So we're gonna like replace one with the other. Mm-hmm. A lethal acorn. Take, uh, <laughs> An eight and a 14. An eight and a 14, and the mermaid's armor class is 11. Horf, give me the flavor. You cast a spell into the acorn, and as you throw it, you hit the mermaid. You know, roots or vines or whatever you want sprouts from the impact and restrains the creature. Describe it to us. So Horf is just reacting totally from his gut so he's almost surprised to see the acorn still in his hand so he just <laughs> he looks down and Harvey's like Whoa! and just just hucks it he literally does the same motion he did before when he donked that mermaid in the face and yeah. he throws this acorn it lands vaguely near her but these vines leap from the bank of the of the water and they they grab her they pull her to the beach and uh they they hold her head and uh and and there's a few vines that go in her mouth and a few in her ears it's really uncomfortable and um horf just thinks it's funny he's like oh oh oh, lunch is good lunch oh is this the horp this is the whore that's good at donking. I didn't. I thought I didn't know this is this whore. Okay, oh, I think we're doing all right here. Excellent. And as all three mermaids are restrained, the unseen servant makes it back to you. Uh, uh, Dewdrop with the gator egg fragments. Ex- Expedition retreat proctors, and all of you can make your escape swiftly and soundly and safely. Yeah, something to add. Did you get the text I sent you? I no, because I used. Well, my I wanted. Phone. I wanted to prove. I wanted to prove what happened. Uh, sorry, I, I have to spell, so I rolled my the phone is the the battle cam, and then oh well, well you don't have to Okay, wow. long story short, I rolled I a one on what <laughs> on on my mad, wild magic surge. Ooh. Oh, mama drama, which yeah. felt ridiculous enough that I needed to send you a screenshot to prove it happened. I believe you. Let me pull up the chart here. Super handy. I got it right here. I mean, oh, you, you, you do it. You're a DM. You live your life. Um. Okay. Roll on this table at the start of each of your turns. Oh, you just roll on for the next minute. Uh, so roll it again. Yeah, so I just if I roll a one, I roll on the wild magic search table to create yeah. a magical effect, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. D100. Go on. The old D100. All right. That is a 78. You cast polymorph on yourself if you fail uh the saving throw you turn into a sheep for the spell <laughs> duration um <laughs> what's the spell save for polymorph? spell save is what is it, is it charisma save for uh, believe, for a sorcerer i, I believe so mm-hmm. all right my saving throw is plus Here 19 uh, i sprout can we say i sprout like like wool for a brief moment, I go, bah, <laughs> uh, no, we're good. We're good. Let's go. <laughs> this is like super gross, anamorphic, like in between. <laughs> uh, you're trying to hold it back because you're escaping. Um, yeah, I'm that's kind of like bounding and I have a little fluffy tail. Wonderful. 
Yeah, with uh, the eggshells in hand, the expeditious retreat cast, and the guidance of our half-gnome, half-sheep companion, the group can escape through the way they came, bypassing uh, the distracted gators, getting through the feared spiders, back into the safety of the jungle. And as you look back on the mountain range of Neverland, you see this hulking, green scaled creature the si- almost the size of the mountain as if it were hugging it Tredge through the center dividing river of the island of neverland uh walking over trees uh stepping on the earth causing it to shape and shift around it before eventually making it back out into the ocean you all can safely make your way back through the thick-lined Neverland jungle to where the gnome hamlet is and to where Colonel Butterscotch welcomes you back from your quest. Attention! Welcome back to the village. I see the green gator walked once more. That must mean we had a good or bad time out there. Tell me, what is the results of the mission? Hold on, the eggshells. Excellent. Yeah, these eggshells are huge. In fact, it, each one of you need to hold a fragment of the shell. You know, it, it's that big. It takes a gnome to hold just one piece. Um, Colonel Butterscotch is thrilled. This is fantastic news. A great haul from a great group of gnomes. Mary Bunny Hop will be thrilled. She'll be able to make healing elixirs and potions for quite a while now. I'll trust you all to. Uh, deliver these raw goods to Mary Bunnyhop, and uh, my tab is open at the tavern, the funny uncle, for y'all to earn a nice, well-earned, hearty, gnomish ale. How's that sound? Amazing. The, uh, the hazard pay of the acorns that'll be delivered to us post-haste. Exactly. Per yep. agreement, just want to be clear. No, that is already done and taken care of, and uh, yeah, there you go. Good work. Good job. You've done me proud. Any final uh, send-offs or farewells from our gnome party before we end the session? Yeah, Horf is uh, Horf is excited he gets paid. He did not know this, but Horf is also very curious about health insurance. It was very dramatic up there. Horf is not so certain, and Horf is you know not necessarily going to get sick from sticking head in dirty <laughs> water. So Horf is kind of curious. Of course, Horf, as you know, uh, Mary Bunny Hop runs the Community Wellness Center where free physical and emotional care and aid is given to anyone in need. Uh, uh, Do drop. Can I trust you to make sure Horf gets there in one piece? Yes, Horf, I will introduce you to Mary. She's great. I'm great friends with her. She does my testing every month. So just come with me. Great, thanks. Horf immediately turns and walks in the no, right no, direction. No, no, this way. <laughs> uh, excellent. Xavier, how'd your new machine hold up this round? Oh, it's great. Uh, it's in constantly improving. Um, we're still working on uh, the blue water system. Uh, didn't get to use it while we were out. Um, but we'll worry, we'll worry about that some other time. Uh, it's still improving. Don't you worry, you'll get another opportunity to test what other blue water you want to test. Excellent work, group. 
I'll leave you to the rest of the day to enjoy for yourselves. And as Colonel Butterscotch turns and back and walks back into the outpost, that will conclude our successful gnome one-shot, having retrieved the gator egg shell fragments. Excellent work, team. Woo! <laughs> we did it. We did it. Hooray. <laughs> uh yeah no awesome work that was a, a lot of fun thank you Cass thank you Andrew for for joining us as well um wow okay calm down <laughs> Andrew S thank you Andrew M for playing and joining <laughs> us tonight um before we sign off for the evening uh, I want to give everyone a quick chance to shout out any upcoming events streams drops anything like that. Um, and, and Andrew M as well, please be sure to tell us where everyone can find you, keep up with you, um, and, and how to reach out. Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, there's four volumes of, uh, of Headlopper out right now. The fourth one just came out recently. You can get that in any comic book store, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, but you should really get it at a local comic book shop or at laserwolfattack.com or at a convention. Um, there's also just, you know, random nerdy kind of uh, retro pulpy fun at uh, laserwolfattack.com. Um, but otherwise you can find me, I spend most of my social media time on um, on uh, Instagram. So it's just Andrew McLean, no, no, punctuation nothing just my name straight through on instagram and i post all kinds of stuff from the desk kind of process drawings and, and whatnot uh usually daily awesome yeah thank you again seriously um rest of the cast what's cooking um so we just finished into the motherlands i think two weeks ago yep uh, so that ended, but we're going to have something at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. So check out the Into the Motherlands Twitter, and I just retweeted Ooh. about that. So um, there's going to be a couple of the uh, people who do stuff in the um, back end and a couple other folks who are going to be, I believe they're going to be performing some live uh, stuff at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. So that's pretty exciting. That's too um, yeah, and then I'm in Forge Academy, which is a podcast that takes place in the Feywilds, in the school in Feywilds, which is super good. And uh, I'm getting back into magic streaming, so I've been doing that a couple times this week. And then I should probably be having, a sh after I have some dinner tonight, I'm going to be streaming some more magic tonight. So uh, same place for everything else in my social media, Michael Critz. So if you look up Michael Critz on Twitch, you'll find me. Awesome. Thanks, man. Um, Desiree, anything on your end? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Desmazing or DesireeStrother.com. I've got stuff coming up that I um, have like been posting, and I'm going to be posting some more stuff about like mental health and wellness and um, debunking myths and taking care of yourself and being a healthy person in a mostly crappy world sometimes. Um, but so that's what I've got going on. You can also work with me, and that's what I'm doing. Thanks. Andrew, you got something, right? <laughs> 
Yeah, I always have something, right? Uh, next Wednesday, 27th, I will be playing in a game of 10 Candles with a fantastic group over at Level 1 Geek. Um, you can follow them on Twitter at level number one underscore geek. I'll be playing in that game uh, with my buddy Johnny Stanton, uh, who's a fullback for the Cleveland Browns, who scored a touchdown last night, his first career touchdown. So very exciting. Uh, but Johnny and I are going to be playing uh, 10 Candles, which is a great kind of like horror-centric um, just dark role-playing game on uh, Level 1 Geek. And at that exact same time, so you have choices. Cast member Emily, who is not here tonight, she will be playing in a Halloween one-shot with the Braxis Precipice over at twitch.tv slash onlyplaywizards. I believe both of those are happening at around 8 p.m. Central. Uh, so just kind of Google around or keep an eye on the at Second Star Shows. Second Star Show socials, um, and we'll tweet all of that out with any of the cast links that are playing. And um, yeah, and by the way, after this, we're going to be recording our Beyond Neverland episode, which is our after show where we chat with the cast members and today uh, with our guest, Andrew McLean, about the game we just played. And if you want access to that, you can go to patreon.com slash second star show and get access to all of that and even more bonus content on our Patreon. Excellent. Thanks, Andrew. And thank you all for tuning in tonight and watching our gnome one shot. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And if you like our DM Joe, go check out Vorpal Board series uh, oh, that he was just in. Joe, where, where can they find that? That's right. Uh, I recently got to work with Vorpal Board on a new Dungeons of Doom series. Uh, if you go to the Vorpal Board's website, you can check out um, all of the adventures. Mine is still to come. It's the last session. Uh, we had a 60-minute timer, and each session there was an objective to achieve. And there is some, like when there's a timer clicking and counting down during a D&D session, crazy stuff happens um it was super fun would love for you to check it out um and yeah thanks for tuning in tonight uh we should be back in two weeks with our regularly scheduled program thank you again andrew mclean for joining us this evening thank you and andrew thank you man thank you ryan from the chump cast for producing our twitch stream always does a fantastic job mm -hmm. and i think lastly uh if you are ever feeling lost just look up for the second star on the right and follow it straight on till morning. Thanks, everyone. Bye.